Welcome to another episode of Game of Life with Dan and Harmon. We're joined by an actor, Joe Flanagan, and I am actually unsure on what we're allowed to discuss given the current state of affairs with the <laughs> strike. <laughs> well, there, there's nothing off topic. Yeah. I so mean. What, what, what are the rules surrounding the actor's strike? So the rules, from my understanding, are we are allowed to do anything that doesn't involve a producer, a studio, or a network. Right. Um, so, for example, if I was going to the San Diego Comic-Con, uh, they usually do that under a project, mm. right? So say I was going with a show like Stargate. I wouldn't be allowed to do that. But if mm. I was going to a convention to sign autographs just as an actor, I'm allowed to do that. Mm. Not allowed to set foot on a set and not allowed to act. You're allowed to act your little heart out when you're at home. You can torture all your friends and family. There's going to be a lot of out-of-work actors. There's always a lot of out-of-work actors, but now they're all going to get together and really create a maelstrom of discontent here. Can you oh. talk about what of why the actor strike is happening just for us uh, people who are disconnected from the well not disconnected but you know <laughs> outsiders but people that have better things to do than yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well okay so there are um for example issues on residuals so yeah. you know i've got a couple hundred hours of television out there and they float around and i'm supposed to be compensated for them with the expansion of all these platforms and these streaming services a lot of these um, the unions and studios have made arrangements so that, you know, they can afford product, but they, in some ways we've been undercut. So for example, we can get, when I first started, I did a studio show, I mean a network show for NBC and that show, I made more money on residuals than I did on my salary. Give mm -hmm. you an example. Now today it's a declining scale. So your first year of residuals will be pretty good. And then it's half of a half and then half of a half and half. And you get into incremental amounts of money. It's pretty pathetic, actually. I've, I have checks for like a penny and why they even issue them. I don't even know. <laughs> um, so these, the, the compensation for the new streaming services have to be reconfigured because people just simply aren't able to make a living the way they used to. Now, one could argue this is the marketplace and this is how it works and everything else. And you can't really protect jobs for very long because the marketplace has to determine the price. Well, I don't know that that's entirely true because um, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole on this, but we actually have half as many publicly traded companies now than we did in like 2004. Everything has been merged into these gigantic corporate behemoths. And the people who run these corporations are, I mean, they're professional, like hatchet men, they're bean counters. They cut every corner imaginable and they just don't even believe in compensating anybody unless you absolutely have to. So there's no kind of, there's no concept. There's not even a slightest concept of responsibility and decency in terms of their approach to negotiations. It's just a big, like, we don't give a damn. We can survive without you. Well, that's a good question because now we have AI, right? 
So yeah. it's entirely feasible that they can, in fact, survive without us. There, there may be a time in the future. So we're arguing, for example, right now, um, you know, they can resurrect Marlon Brando and have Marlon Brando in a film. Um, and who do you pay? Is that public domain now? It's over 50 years. You know, you get into these issues. Uh, if they use my likeness, they may say, well, we don't want to compensate Joe. So let's use just 40% likeness. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, the courts are going to determine what likeness is. They could say whatever the threshold is going to be, they'll just go one degree under it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. they'll say, we're going to make Joe 39%. And then we're going to mix him with 10 other actors to create an amalgamation. And it's just an amalgamated actor. Mm. Um, so th these are, you know, absolutely huge issues that ironically are going to really, uh, they're going to inject themselves into every aspect of, of, of life across the world. And it's kind of ironic that we're actually dealing with it first and it's doubly ironic that I think we've written a few movies about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so what I'm seeing here is this incredible gasp of humanity going, well, what is human value? Yeah. I mean, I, and, and, and let's take, I can understand it from both perspectives. I can understand it from a shareholder perspective saying, Hey, listen, you have a fiduciary duty to the stockholder. It, and we're not interested in your kind of a, a charitable situation with actors. We want to maximize our profits. Yeah. Um, and so you're going to get that in every company. But at what point, I don't know that we put our foot down and say, this is going to work and this is not going to work. I, I really have no idea. Um, it's uncharted territory. And imagine this, Justine Bateman is pretty involved in this. Um, Justine is Jason Bateman's sister. And um, she's a pretty smart girl. And she she said, look, imagine Bill Murray being able to do 10 films simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. And and he can do it. He'll get, you know, he gets, you know, some kind of like a performance related kind of approval. And then he can be two, doing 10 films simultaneously. Um, so you can overuse some actors and not use other actors at all. Um, it is a phenomenal kind of saying that AI has just reared its head at this time. Yeah. So I don't, what we need to do uh, is really negotiate in a way where we're saying this is an ongoing problem with developing technology that we have to continue to revisit each year. Yeah. That's the only way, if you ask me, we're going to get around this because nobody's going to want to write rules yet where the, we don't even know where the technology will eventually end up. But remember, uh, actors can be supremely self-involved and forget that there are other aspects of things. And these studios, imagine some kid in his parents' house in Mumbai who creates AI actors with an AI script and a CG backdrop for 500 bucks. He's made a damn good film, just as good as a studio film, perhaps. What are the studios going to do? Remember Hollywood is an entity that's bound by um, access. You know, it's like, here are the films and here are the actors and the writers and the talent. We have them all here and we call it Hollywood. 
And that's how we control content and prices and everything else. Now imagine it's just the cap is blown off. I don't know how it works. Uh, it's, it's something that I have been consumed with and not necessarily for my particular profession, but just societally, I don't know where all this goes. This is crazy, crazy stuff. Joe, um, what do you think was the epicenter of this? Where did it start? How did it start? Well, the truth is it actually started a while ago, but we kind of had our heads in the sand um, because it wasn't, you know, the introduction of chat GPT is what shoved it in everybody's face, mm. which is really ironic because that technology has been around for a while. This is technology that actually kind of came out of uh, video games yeah. um, that were constantly recalibrating based on what the player was doing. And it's just, it's just, they just put it in a format that was a sophisticated chat bot essentially. And they call the chat GPT and they still call it generative AI, which is considered to be the harmless AI. Yeah. <laughs> and general AI is what we're really supposed to be scared of. But the truth is, I don't think there's a clear demarcation. I think generative AI evolves into general AI mm -hmm. and which is essentially general AI is the ultimate autodidactic, self-growing, self-learning, almost organic, you know, Entity. micro. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it could just literally just explode. Um, and it's, Algorithm is to learn, right? And learning in and of, of itself may in fact also mean conquest, right? Yeah. It's, it's conquering not... ignorance. So it's yes. conquering, it may conquer resources. It may we don't know where the algorithms go. Mm. And it's just not learning from the data that was already there. It's learning from also learning from the inputs that we're putting now billions and billions of inputs that have been put in there doing research and it's learning and it's going to tenfold when chat gpt four five or six comes out i don't know where yeah. we're going to be well i think that the current models i mean well a general ai would be able to take all the entire knowledge of humanity and probably absorb it in a couple hours mm. You know, thousands of years of human knowledge could be absorbed in perhaps hours. So it'll already have the basis of all human knowledge, you know, and then it'll start connecting dots that our little brains have never been able to do. Um, it's, it's to me, it's not unlike the ultimate metaphorical kind of uh, atomic bomb. <laughs> yeah. It can it can be something that stops wars or something that obliterates humanity. I don't know. AI could conceivably free all of us from all sorts of dreadful shit we have to do, right? Yeah. Um, but this is the first threat to white collar jobs, and so that's why it's got everybody worked up. Blue collar jobs have been hit pretty hard by robotics and automation for the last 20 years but this is next step next level i mean why would i need a lawyer Accounting? fresh out of college yeah. to write me my last will and testament i got a program boom yeah. done um and 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 my guess is that you're going to have <laughs> anyway good morning australia i'm going for some dark stuff right away um, <laughs> but uh i i think we're headed 
and 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 you can come back to me in a few years and it may be two years, five, ten years. And I hope this is not I hope it is hyperbole, but I think we're headed toward mass unemployment. Yeah. And mass unemployment is a game changer because you'll no longer have a stable society. I mean, if things are unstable, that means politics are unstable. And if politics are unstable, everything's unstable. That means conflicts uh, with other countries. That means all sorts of conflicts within your own country. I don't see how stability is going to be maintained in, in the face of mass unemployment, even if they do universal basic income and give money to everybody. Once people can't buy products, mm. the whole system falls apart the the whole our whole system is predicated on you having enough money to buy products mm. and the minute people can't do that you know walmart could say damn i am so clever i have streamlined so well i only have 400 employees now and i used to have you know 200,000 and now they have 400. This is beautiful. Well, guess what? There's no customers coming to their shop because nobody has the money. Yeah. So you have these opposing forces. One is to streamline and make things cheaper. And one is to make sure that people have enough expendable income. I, I don't see them working together at this point. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so just to loop back, we happen to be, ironically up for negotiation of our contracts. The last time we did this was 20 years ago and it just is falling right in the middle of this trend where AI is doing all this stuff. And I got to say, I'm I try to, I, you know, I'm a fair market capitalist. I'm by no means a socialist or communist or anything. I'm a big believer in the free market. There is no, reason why these bastards that are running corporations and not even running them well are giving themselves billions of dollars in bonuses while their stock is not even performing well mm -hmm. it's remarkable right. and so bob Iger sits there these executives have been sitting there and they are they're playing hardball they're like we don't give a damn we don't give a damn let's send a message to hollywood that we don't need writers, we don't need actors, we'll break you guys, and when we break you guys and you don't have a union, you'll work for nothing. And then we'll buy your likeness for nothing. And then there we go. There's always gonna be somebody who'll break the line and write you know, outside of a union contract. So this is a fight that should be very interesting. I, I would assume that Everyone in the so-called industrialized world <laughs> should be really interested in this negotiation because it's a harbinger of so many things for everybody. So the people who are immediately affected by AI are taking actions and people who aren't immediately affected by it haven't even bothered about it yet. They could just can't see next five years. It's mm. going to be just poof. I, dude, I feel like I'm on a... I'm on the railroad track and I see a train and I'm telling everybody to get off the track. And, and they're, they're just, like, yeah, la di da, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> hey, man. I'm like, dude, you don't get it. You just don't get it. Everybody thought AI was years off and pop. Yeah. It's just here it is. So it's, 
it's, you know, originally I thought, hey, well, as long as we can inject some humanity into our work and make humanity and our wrinkly little idiosyncratic humanity, if we can endear our customer base to that, mm -hmm. then we might be safe, right? Yeah. Well, as it turns out, you can recreate that. <laughs> as it turns out, I talked to somebody who said their best friend has an AI therapist and prefers it. And I'm like, wow. I mean, you would think that one of all things would be the most kind of the last place to make the change. Um, but maybe that AI therapist gives better advice. I don't know. Well, it's I probably no telling idea. you what you want to hear as well. Well, <laughs> it's a good question. Yeah. It's a damn good question. Is it an algorithm like YouTube that just sends you the stuff that they think you want? Yeah. Or, or is it actually going, well, you know, this dumb bastard keeps repeating the same old story and he's having this marital problem and I'm just going to tell him flat out what his problem is. I have no idea. But one thing's for sure, they're going to make sure they get money first. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to they're going to make sure they get paid and then they're going to probably tailor the information based on how many people they can retain. And if people start dropping off AI therapy, then they're like, well, maybe we shouldn't tell them what we were telling them. Maybe we should tell them something else. Yeah. The world's made of butterflies and the rivers are made of chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> ever learning, ever improving by itself. Yeah. If, if, if the algorithm is profit, they will absolutely manipulate anything, including the truth. If the algorithm is uh, some kind of scientific integrity or uh, psychoanalytic integrity, then it might be might be good. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, the question is, how do we stay in charge of it? That's really like, do, where's the kill switch? Yeah. Where is the kill switch here? Um, I don't need to tell you guys. Stanley Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey already showed the whole system in play. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of people probably watch that going, yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe one day. Here we are. Here we are. And how do you get the entire world to agree on rules? I don't know. Say we decide in the Commonwealth or in the uh, North American Alliance that we may say, well, AI has to have these parameters, uh, which is not to do harm to people, et cetera, et cetera. Well, China can say, oh, good for you guys. I'm glad that's your rule. Guess mm -hmm. what? My drones can kill anybody they want. And we reserve the right to use them for military purposes. And that technology is now out of the bag. Then our military says, well, we need to do the same thing, Mr. President. So we need to lift the cap on, you know, AI doing harm to people. We need to be able to do harm to people. Mm. Elon At work, yeah, we're on the cusp of something of a huge chaotic conversation in the face of this inevitable change. And I don't, I don't know where it goes. Elon put it in a great analogy. He said, whenever humans are making a road, 
they don't really care if there are ants on the road. They end up making the road anyways if the ants get killed. And it, because it's the betterment for the humanity, you're making a road. And he said AI could do the same if if he if the AI thinks that it's better for the humanity, might end up doing some things, you know. Let's say, for example, kill the ants. Right. Or kill SpaceX or you know, I mean Whatever. who knows? <laughs> it's like I I I agree. Um, but imagine that the AI is maybe imagine the algorithm being. I want you to achieve perfect mm. uh, natural equilibrium. Oh. And that would include earthly and non-earthly kind of gravitational forces, everything. It might say, hey, humanity is is really screwing this planet up. We, we should probably get rid of it. Um, That's the Thanos. If we get rid of humanity, then yeah. nature comes back and like, you know, it could be good for the earth, could be bad for us. <laughs> Um, you saw what happened during the pandemic in China. Oh. All of a sudden, there was a blue sky out there. Um, and it, I think what's really interesting about all this is uh, I, I obviously like to I like thinking big thoughts. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've never experienced global events simultaneously until the pandemic. That was the first time in the history of humanity that there was a simultaneous global event. Now, one could argue that the asteroids that hit Earth might have been that too, and maybe they were. But what you have here is all of a sudden the entire world going, oh, crap. Yeah, we are in some spinning ball flying through space, and we better actually try to figure some stuff out. Um, and otherwise, we're, we're in deep shit. And I think AI is not unlike a potential virus that could destroy humanity or it could save humanity or two things can be true at once. You know, it could do both. They could have the option of saving us and killing us simultaneously. Well, if you had a magic wand or, well, you were the decision maker, what do you think you would be doing differently? Or Did you, you not know that I actually am the decision maker? <laughs> maybe maybe that's I'm the I'm wizard. Uh, what I well this gets into some pretty fascinating philosophical stuff to me. I've yeah, thought about this. You, yeah. That's where we I, I personally think, you know, the only way people communicate right now is through documentaries and maybe podcasts. I'm not thinking I don't think people are necessarily uh reading books um, as much. So imagine a documentary being a primary conduit of, of ideas. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the documentary that needs to be made is about the war on reality, as we are not going to solve any problems until we agree on basic sets of consensual facts. And we don't do that. We, we actually are at a weird place where... They call it post-truth, but we're in a weird place where we don't agree on basic facts. And it's not unlike everybody pulling up to the stoplight and we all have understood that red means stop and green means go. But then over here, these guys are like, you know, I'm so done with your red light tyranny. I don't see red lights as stop. So get your like little 
moralities thing and just keep it away from me. Red means go. And you're like, okay, I guess you're allowed to think that, but now you drive through the intersection and other people get killed. I mean, that's kind of where we're at. We're at a place where we don't recognize basic stop and start signals. Mm -hmm. And so the entire communication system is breaking down. And unless you solve that problem, you're not going to solve AI problems. You're not going to solve climate change problems. You're not going to solve anything. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, it's crazy. Okay. So let me just go even further. <laughs> Tell me to shut up at one point. I, go, I get going, I get going on this stuff. So it, it's, it's my belief that you need collectively, the government needs to decide you know, if you have a subsidized information service that's free of sponsorships, that's super critical because the profit motive will invariably, like an AI algorithm, push, push, push to make money, not push to get truth out. Mm -hmm. So unless you have something like the BBC in England and you have something similar in America, you have to have some basic common well of water everybody can go to and say, look, it, the water may not taste great, but we know it's safe and we know that it's real and we can all go to that well. Uh, and you need that. And right now we don't have that in the United States at all. Um, Europe is better with that because they do subsidize some things. And it's quintessentially like un-American to have any state-sponsored news service. It just runs counter to everything we do. So I don't know how you'd even pass that. But the other thing is we need, and this is going to be true in Australia. I've spent a lot of time in Australia. It's very similar. The The kids just have no critical thinking skills. They've got none. Mm. I mean, it's incredible. They don't know what a data point really is. They don't know the difference between a fact and an opinion between an actual piece of, 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 of a, a statistic and an anecdotal observation. They don't know the differences. And so we're, we're, we're in a very weird place right now. I don't know. So you need school to like remedy that situation mm. with like ongoing internet literacy programs, ongoing critical thinking classes, and you need to get your shit together with the public stream of news information. And maybe, just maybe, we actually balance the ship and we and can all begin the information to... that they're getting is from a tiny screen that it's it's just rush of ideas, propagandas, or whatever you want to call it. And there's no, there's no, there's no um, you know how when you were a kid you used to get bored and you used to think of stuff like yeah. that. To me, that was creative. Yeah. That's how I was creative. Yeah. You you don't get bored. At all. I've never realized last 10 years I've ever been bored. I just pull out my phone yeah. and now I'm yeah. entertained. Yeah, I think once technology yeah. came into play, I think that's when... Creativity sort of... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know about the creativity aspect, but I do agree with you that the dopamine hits that we get oh. through our, our phones and our computers have usurped the kind of inquisitive nature of the mind and the tactile nature of humanity. And I thought to myself, if 
Einstein were a kid today, would he be too distracted to come up with the theory of relativity that would require extended periods of concentration that mm. people just don't have these days? So yeah. I, I, I'm not a doom and gloomer. I'm not like, oh, it used to be better back then. But I'm thinking to myself, how many geniuses are being preempted by this dopamine hit crap that keeps you from long form sustained focused conceptual thinking that is required for solving problems now one could argue and i love it when people like throw an argument against me and prove me wrong because you know i, I i'm aware of how off base i've been before i never thought trump would get elected for example so <laughs> Uh, some could say we don't need that thinking anymore. You're absolutely right. Einstein may not have done it today, but today we have computers that would solve Einstein's problem in a heartbeat. So we've reached the so-called singularity of technology, where technology now knows more than all of humanity and is pushing the ball forward, and we're not pushing the ball forward. Spooky. Mm. And is it apocalyptic or not? I don't know. Um, we just I just saw news, I think maybe last month. Um, Elon Musk got um approval from FDA for his Neuralink trials on human beings. Yeah. You combine that with AI. What do you where do you see that going? Well, I'm the I, I'm <laughs> the type of nut job. Right I'm there. the type of nut job will be first in line to get an implant. <laughs> <laughs> just so I can go to a cocktail party and be like <laughs> Yeah, and to communicate. To people Probably. without talking, maybe, you know what I mean? Telekinesis. Uh, and I'll, I'll never say to myself, where did I put my goddamn keys? Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, I, I think that, yeah, you're looking at a combination of, of technology and biology. Um, the guy who wrote Sapiens, you know, uh, that book Sapiens, uh, Noah uh, Yuval. He wrote then a secondary book called Homo Deus, and he basically says that's that's kind of the future is a is a meld between human and technology, and um, you'll have maybe something in your system that helps regenerate cells um, and all sorts of stuff. And I'm less scared about that. At, at least that stays within a little bit within the human realm. Mm -hmm. um, but imagine imagine what what do they have today they have like antidepressants that are serotonin reuptake inhibitors so they they keep you from i if i'm not mistaken i'm not sure how it works but i think it's so you don't you know blow out all your dopamine or your serotonin is reserved and it stays balanced instead yeah. of getting flushed out during exciting moments. If I'm not mistaken, I'm sure somebody knows more about that than I do. Well, imagine they just put an implant in your brain. that just solves that problem right away. Mm. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Our kids will have undoubtedly, they're going to have some technology in their bodies and they will probably live till they're about 130 years old also. Mm -hmm. Um, and so combine that, I'm just a bowl of cherries today. Let me give you another prediction. <laughs> In addition to mass unemployment, you have extended lifespans and extended lifespans and a dwindling 
tax base because people can't afford to have kids. It's too expensive. So you have less and less people working and paying taxes for the growing people that are the older people that are growing old and need sponsorships in the form of social programs and healthcare and everything else. I mean, Japan and China and even Europe is headed for a real problem demographically. And then you throw AI in there and wipe out half your tax base that's, you know, paying for stuff. I don't know. I don't know what you do. I've said that, I think, a hundred times because it's my cry for help. <laughs> <laughs> I want somebody to just come on and tell me what the answer is because I'm, for the first time in my life, I have just an unswerving optimist about everything. I always have been. And this is the first time I'm like, whoa. All right, let me think through this thing. Holy crap, how's this going to work? Um, so let me ask you this. What what good do you see? I'm trying to push you to think positively now. What good do you see in all of this? Well, okay. For example, there's no reason that um, we can't have a, a huge golden age of, of medical remedies that, you know, oh. uh, the imagine the, the, the um, uh, protein, you know, calculations that AI can do that human beings were doing. I mean, I think one of the reasons we came up with an mRNA vaccine for COVID so quickly was partially, you know, our computing power. Mm -hmm. So we may be able to not just come up with vaccines and medicines. We may be able to even come up with them in real time. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, you, you could quite literally come up with something in real time. And so on the one hand, you know, that could be amazing. It could be quite literally the golden age of physical health and medical innovation. Um, and I see that definitely as a huge upside for AI. Um, I think human capacity to make mistakes and have accidents, that will go down. Uh, you're going to have autopilot in just about everything from your blender in your kitchen to the car you drive to everything else. And it'll stop you from the accidents that might have just occurred. And they'll be communicating with other cars on the road. So imagine there is a car speeding down the road at 60 miles an hour and you're coming out. They've already talked to each other, you know? So I see all sorts of positive things on that level. What I am just trying to get my head around is the need for human beings and what that is and really literally what is our value outside of our economic purpose if our economic purpose is deteriorating what is our value this is all we've known for 400 years you know yeah. we have been all tied into our economic value i don't know exactly what we do when humanity goes, well, your value has nothing to do with your economic value because you have no economic value. Um, I, I don't know. Again, do I keep saying that somebody keep me stopping me from saying, I don't know, but <laughs> I don't know. That should be the name of this podcast. I don't know. I don't know. Joe, do you think as a species, we think less about innovation and being a multi-planetary species? Let's say, let's say, let's go, 100 200 years back if 
if the one this is hypothetical purely hypothetical if the goal of all of humanity was just one goal to be interplanetary species in every a human being was just focusing on you know how can we get to another planet or how can we let's say mars make that another next planet do you think that could be next for humanity this is this is very interesting it's just thought of it uh, absolutely right i mean it's it's going to be a necessity yeah yeah it's going to be a necessity because we may destroy the planet and it may not even be um environmental destruction it could be something else it could be some massacre you know there's no doubt about it the future lies in you know multi-planetary existence um if we get to that point um you know there's one guy i can't remember what this is called but there's a theory that says any intelligent life the reason we've never been uh, uh, contacted by intelligent life is because intelligent life by its nature is competitive and resource driven because it has to be and in that process it ultimately becomes self-annihilating mm -hmm. so any species that got smart enough will have self-annihilated before it could get to us yeah. and we're just actually doing the same thing yeah uh, it's another really fun little thing to think about before you go to sleep so listen it all sounds 20 years ago if we had this conversation you'd be like god joe you're really stuck in hollywood you got a lot of script <laughs> ideas and we're yeah. like no this is real oh man yeah lots to think about yeah go it on. is no, go on. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me that um, how 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 quickly this has happened as well. Um, or you know, it's all of a sudden it's in your face everywhere, everywhere you go. It it really is, and I mean, ChatGPT will code for you. Yeah, it'll it'll code for you. I mean, just it's incredible. Um. I have a friend who um, is in a is in a, a well known band. It's the the guy that's the drummer for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you know he and I have coffee and shoot the shit, and it's sort of like two old men, you know, shooting the shit. And uh, recently, I've been like, well, you got to check out Chad GBT. They write some pretty damn good songs, good lyrics. It's like, ah, what are you talking about? Blah 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 blah. blah. I said, well. I, Write me a song about an aging rock star. <laughs> it wrote a damn good song about an aging rock star. And I think he just didn't even get it. It was like, I, I, and maybe he's in a place where he doesn't have to get it because nobody's going to like, really like, you know, they're going to want to see maybe them on, on stage. But I just talked to a friend who saw a holographic concert of ABBA in London and said it was amazing. And they charged full price for the tickets. It was a holographic concert. Well, then so, we're just defining what amazing is then. Like, it, to me, um, driving a Tesla versus driving an old Mustang with a stick shift, I don't know, I'm old school. 
Yeah. So isn't that synthetic? Like, let's say if I if I type in chat GBT, write me a Tupac rap or a Tupac song, it would do a pretty good job. But but the problem with that analogy, because I thought that myself the same thing, which is like, hey, I can tell like this is a handmade table that I've got in front of me. It's beautiful because it's all mm. crooked and weird and stuff. And isn't it cool that hands made it? Well, I can tell you're not going to be able to tell. Yeah. Yep. You're just not going to be able to tell pretty soon. Mm. So let's take that therapy thing a step further. Two or three, four or five years down the road, you call into some place that's called like the National Psychiatric Institute and mm. they say, we'll provide a therapist for you. And you choose the therapist and it makes one that looks just the way you want it to be and everything else. But you don't know. It's yeah. already studied all your search history and your medical records. And it knows that uh, he wants somebody who looks like his mom. We're going to get like an older lady with gray hair who's awesome. And he will never know that it's he's talking to a machine. He's never going to know. When do we get to the point where people go to live theater or concerts and they don't know if they're watching a real person or not? <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot of movies that have um, people... Well, Blade Runner. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what Blade Runner is, right? I mean, he, he, you, you can fall in love with somebody who is not entirely sentient or is a combination of technology mm. and sentience. Like, uh, it's if you could wrap every single revolution from the Bronze Age to the Industrial Revolution to the Information Age, wrap it all in and, and multiply it by a thousand, that's in my mind where we're at mm. it's every revolution and all the disruption times a thousand and a thousand times faster so mm. how we put the genie's not going back in the bottle no it's, it's just yeah. not and so the question is who's going to be in charge us or a computer yeah yeah huh. uh, i think I think we're halfway through. And let me put this in an analogy because think about this. How smart is an 18-year-old person with a mobile phone and internet is today versus 10 geniuses back 100 years ago? I think we're already sentient level because to me, a phone, and I can't, I can't function without a phone. If you give me an address here in Australia, I can't go there without GPS. Well, rules our lives. I was fascinated by these stories and I started collecting all these stories about people that have given up their own internal sense of direction. Mm. As a kid, I could go almost to any city and look at a map once mm. and know exactly where to go. Yeah. And yeah. I could look at the landscape and I'd be like, that mountain's there. Sun comes up over here. The building's over here and be like, work my way pretty much anywhere. Yeah. People don't even use their own, internal navigation anymore and so there are a bunch of instances of people that have set off one grandmother in france set off to go visit her grandkids in like toulouse and ended up in in croatia <laughs> uh I, I, another group of people kept in 
I guess, stubbornly insisting to follow the map, drove off a cliff. Um, and there's instances of us just completely like yielding to yeah. the phone, to the computer, and not even using any internal mechanisms anymore. And I just know that I don't remember things the way I used to. I could remember phone numbers and places. I'm like, why, why crowd my brain that way? Yeah. I don't want to bother remembering that useless information. I'm going to free my mind up for other things. Um, so I, I, I think that that imagine bees deciding to give up their navigational like, From, uh, instincts. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah. I, I, and I don't think we're any dumber than yeah. we were five or six generations ago. I, and I, I find kids to be relatively impressive. They're relatively well-informed. They're exposed to an awful lot. Um, but I find that their perspective is just not at all balanced. They just don't have perspective historically about where yeah. we've been and where we are and where we're going. They're kind of like, da, 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 da. You know, it's a very loop to doop doop uh, attitude because right now they see a world so differently on the phone screens than what we did growing up, um, being consumed uh, all day. But there's such a thing as being bombarded with too much information. Yes. Do you, um, did you find that your attention span has gotten worse versus yeah. what it was 10 years ago? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Even, you even when you're trying to find a movie on Netflix, you can or you'll just spend yeah. that entire evening just scrolling through. You'll scrolling. start something for 10 minutes and then you'll turn it off because oh not for me. <laughs> or you just Yeah, and, because after 30 minutes you're like, I should have been halfway through something and I'm not. I guess I should just go to bed. Yeah, I'm already looking at yeah. my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Or you just end up watching the same shit. But um I wanna <laughs> let's I wanna switch this whole podcast to something um much more less intelligent <laughs> oh yes or, or philosophical or, or more emotional and philosophical <laughs> um so i think I, I was going through your instagram and going through a bio that you went on this journey of learning uh, a couple of years ago um yeah. how, how did that revelation happen and how did you um well it's funny because it actually the conversation we're having collectively now is a conversation I had with myself like 10 years ago. Mm, yeah. Um, and it came down to, I was witnessing um, my kids and they were, there was a couple older relatives in our big, large extended family that would come and say, sit down at the table with the kids and the kids would all kind of roll their eyes and shut up. Because it was like, oh, old person coming, old person's going to tell us all about being old and how they did things differently and they did things better. And these old people don't ask questions. They're not interested. They're just lecturing younger people. Mm. And I thought to myself, that is my nightmare. And I told my older son, I said, if I ever become that person, you have to let me know. Well, that, you know, if, if you roll your eyes, cause I'm just some redundant, like drone, like old man, I just need to know. Cause I just don't want to be that person. I want to be a person that 
still has the mind of a 25 year old in terms of my curiosity. Mm -hmm. And that's going to require me to like actually be open to things that I don't understand. And that, that includes like psychedelic drugs. Oh yeah. Which, yeah. Like I'll do mushrooms and I'm like, Oh yeah, this is, this is something that definitely will change your perspective. Uh, I think for the better, some people may not think so. Um, and so I'm like, all right, I'm, I I meet people and I'm like, God, I can't hang out with those people. They're so old. And I'm like, Oh crap. They're my age, <laughs> you know? And yeah. they've just, they think they figured it all out. They think they've got it all bottled up and they understand everything. And I'm like, I, I don't think so guys. Yeah. If, if there's ever a time to rewind the tape and be young in your brain again, now's the time because your survival Literally, your economic survival may depend on your receptivity to new information that is outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Um, and so that's really the basis of that. And then I thought, well, maybe that's a journey a lot of other people were wanting to take. And maybe we just go on this journey and let's see what happens. And I'm sure I'll get smacked down a number of times out of my own ignorance or arrogance and naivety. Um, and I'm fine with that. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm completely fine with like getting proven wrong. And I think you, you know, run the risk of falling behind the rest of society. If you're not well-informed. Oh man. Yeah. You would think that would be pretty obvious. Yeah. And I I'm shocked at how uninformed people are. I was at a dinner party a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, we're in an area that has a pretty high level of education. You know, people are successful and nobody even knew anything about AI really. And they didn't even know how a computer worked. And granted, there's some artists there that may not be into that, but I'm like, I, I think it's your duty. Yeah, you, you need to know this stuff. Stop looking at it like everything's a mystery and you just decide not to learn it because it's like, you better learn. You need to learn. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe people are fundamentally lazy and they don't want it. I don't know. Sorry to interrupt you. Do you think that's lack of lack of interest to know more or learn more? Or is it just they're kind of happy in their realm? Let's say a, a mad artist who makes one painting a day and he's just driven in his art. He doesn't give a fuck about AI or what's going on out there if there's a war going on or there's a pandemic he's just a mad artist do you think do you i think, think in some cases there are real legitimate reasons for shutting off but yeah, yeah don't get me wrong and, yeah. and i yeah i can see that but all the time probably not most of the most of the um and i think that people a lot of people only learn what they need to learn true mm. and really <laughs> I don't think that people are in search of knowledge. I think this is one of the great, like, you know, things we've miscalculated is that somehow people want to know the truth and they want actual knowledge and information. I think what people really want is the sensation of feeling alive. Yeah. And, and, and that is like more sensory, you know, that's like, ah, oh, the wind blowing through my hair and me like, 
you know, grabbing on to something. And, 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 and that, that's why sex will always have like this, like divine thing for everybody. It's like, you can't replicate it, blah, blah, blah. And it fulfills all your sensory stuff. That's what people default to. Mm. And, and so I don't think people go, you know, I'm going to sit on my instincts. I'm not going to eat today. I'm just going to read these books and inform myself. No, I, I don't think so. I think that people want the sensation of feeling alive and the sensation of belonging. Belonging is definitely way more interesting to people than being right and being knowledgeable. Uh, we've proven that in the United States the last six years with the Trump phenomenon. These are people who are absolutely aggressively denying facts. <laughs> they, they have been given every single bit of information in the world to show that, that, that they're not clinging to anything real and they still go, we don't care. Yeah. We have this great group and this is our group and it's us versus them. And yeah. you're like, okay, that's, that's the most evolutionary primordial thing that men have mankind. Um, so I, I don't know that. Wow. I don't know how I ended up getting so heavy on this podcast because yeah. most of the time I'm not, but right. you just caught me in a weird place because I've been talking to people about our strike and about yeah. where AI goes. So we've been. Do, do you and, think humans can do more harm and can be more, um, you know, disruptive in, in groups versus individually? Do you think the individual is more sane, more, you know, empathetic um, than a group of people would be? I, I, I want to say yes, yeah. just because it would give me more faith in humanity. Okay. I want to say yes. And yeah. I know that people do things in group dynamics that they normally wouldn't do in real life. And you can study Nazi Germany for that, you know, mm. and I don't think individual Germans would ever have wanted to create individual acts of evil, mm. but collectively they were like, eh, I just prefer not to think about it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, but you know what they say that, that your character is what you do when nobody's watching. Yeah. So maybe it's some people are dark and they would be darker without the group. I, mm. I'm i not sure. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. Um, Freud said that the thing that held us together, the glue that held us together was shame. Mm. And that without shame, which is really a collective tool of the group, uh, we would all just be murdering each other and raping each other and destroying everything. Yeah. And it's shame that keeps us from doing that. So, no, are you are you a big believer? Like God? Are you a spiritual person? Are you religious? Or um, <laughs> just 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 curious? And I asked this because I, we're, I, we're on yeah. the we're on the um, level of you. You talked about Freud. I think it was Dostoevsky who said, um, "Without God, everything is allowed." <clears throat> so yeah, I was it's, just, yeah. It's I think that's basically the same. They're they're saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah. if you ask me. Mm. Um, I don't believe that there's a, 
I don't think it's a binary conversation between religion, spirituality, and science. And we've, it's presented that way. So the, you know, almost seems like, well, if you're a database and science based, and I like to think that I am, that it precludes us from any kind of religious thinking. Mm. Uh, I disagree with that. Um, because to me, and this is probably pretty heretical, <laughs> is that I don't believe in the dogma of the church. I think the church is just made by human beings with all the faults of human beings, but in, in its best form, it's an attempt to understand nature and our place in nature. And that is also the essence of science. So I, I think that the scientists are, are often the people that are saying, having that awe factor. They're like, wow. You know, they, mm. they do a lot of that. Like, wow. That's the same thing that people in religion experience. And it's, it's essentially an acknowledgement of something much bigger than ourselves, something possibly so mysterious we may never know. And that is a great thing to be in touch with. And religion in its best form should always be that, mm. but it defaults to this stupid crap where it's like ruled. Well, well, yeah, it's, well, there's the social control aspect that the church yeah. pretty great. And then there's the kind of metaphysical thing, which is like, it's what is you and your relationship to God and death. And that's your private kind of spiritual stuff to work out. They try yeah. to combine it all. But the truth is, Man hates uncertainty. He yeah. hates uncertainty. So in the in the in the in the absence of certainty, he says, "Yeah, you know what? Let's just create some." And if it's not true, I don't even care because I have to, I have to believe in something. Yeah, I can't live with uncertainty. And so we create certainty out of nothing. Mm -hmm. our, our entire economy is based on uncertainty. We, we sell we sell a diet. It's like, this is the best diet you have ever seen. That's all we do is we sell certainty. And people are vulnerable to that. They're like, hell yeah. That's why when they get older, they default to their parents' political opinions or religious opinions. They go, you know, my parents seem so certain of everything. Let's just be certain also. Let's hold hands and be certain, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so... Where would you add psychedelics in this spiritual religion and psychedelic trifecta? Ah, Do you think those are important? I think they're very, very. Important. Oh yeah. I think, I think psychedelics could be that weird little, um, you know, screwdriver that lets us to like pop the lid off of certainty, you know, and I don't think we're going to do it through, religion or philosophy or politics or social media or anything. I think it quite literally is something like psychedelics. It could be in the form of some incredible epiphany you have. You met somebody who said something at the right time and changed your perspective forever. It could be a health-related issue, a money-related issue. But the odds are, in terms of a controlled study, <laughs> you can give psychedelics to people and they, they will be forced to see the world differently for that, for that time. And that is something that 
not necessarily any books or universities or political leaders or anybody else can really do quite the same way. People don't understand that that dimension, that realm that we're talking about is com- it stays completely untouched. You no one can influence that. It's it's a different place that you go to and you come back and you realize, okay, yeah, yeah, I see what you, I see what everyone's talking about. Yeah. And what, what have- I've I've met people that have, were incredibly dark people with tons of weight and just moping around, you know, like the glasses half empty type of like lifestyle. And they've done these intensive mushroom sessions, for example. And they're they're not just different for a little while. They are different. Mm. They are they are been recalibrated and realigned and i hate to say this term because it's too cutesy and everything but they're fixed at least for a certain amount of time and they begin to see things differently and as they see things differently it also continues to heal them because it's how you look at things and how you perceive things that feed the soul and if you're looking at things dark you're dark and if it forces you to see things with light you become light. It's just flushing out all that negativity. Yeah. Is is, is that right? I've never, I've never done it. It's not flushing on negativity. It's, it's like, to, to put it in perspective for you, it's like someone showed you, you think of yourself as a, as a handsome man. Someone just showed you a mirror, like, holy shit, that's how I look like. And, Something along those lines. I don't know. It, it's hard. How would you describe him, Joe? He's never tried psychedelics. How would well, you? Well, I could. I could tell you the personal psychedelic side, but let me just tell you the the physiological side as I understand it. Mm-hmm. it. It was explained to me like this: most negative thinking are elements of kind of unprocessed trauma, and so trauma is trauma specifically because it's a loop. And it loops around and around and around and you overthink something. Yeah. And now it traumatizes you because it's lived past its usefulness. Right. And no longer do you say, Oh God, yeah, maybe I shouldn't um, drive so fast down that small road. You're now like, Oh my God, I'm going to die in a car. I'm going to die in a car. And you just keep going. Yeah. And so th- it's like a, a scratch on a record back in the days when we had records. And the needle needs to be picked up and lifted off and moved. And apparently psychedelics have the capacity to do this for whatever reason. I don't even think they're entirely sure why, but it seems to reset these neural ruts. Right. And, and it, it quite literally is like a hard reset on a computer and you come out of it. Not everybody, by the way, I'm not, yeah, claiming That's this is some mystical thing um, is is this thing where you're like, wow, I I I not experiencing the loop. Okay, and and so that loop, it, it, this is in its best form. Yeah, the loop goes away. You see things fresh when you're mm-hmm. looping with old trauma. You're not taking in new information either. Right. So by stopping the loop you've made room for new information and new things. I guess that makes a lot, more sense than when you say recalibrate. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and on a personal level, <laughs> you want to get into what it's like. Please. It can be, it can be anything mm. from, and I, I, I hope I don't sound like some crazy, like psychedelic voyeur. Here, but, <laughs> um, it can be literally everything melting, like physical form moving and melting. Right. So like, and again, that's backed up by science. So we see objects, but objects are just spectrums of density. We now know that everything is tied together through fabric. There is no blank space per se. Yeah. It's all connected through a fabric. So the truth is, one could argue, are you tripping balls and seeing things that don't exist? Or are you seeing something that you weren't capable of seeing? Um, yeah. In, in your regular human form. And it's like, and people have achieved this. A friend of mine achieved this in these ridiculously long uh, meditation sessions that, you know, these silent retreats he's gone on. And he said the same thing. He said that all of a sudden, like physical form starts to departicalize and like everything is just like, nothing is a thing. Everything is just a big mold of, of, of connection. And, you know, that can happen when you're tripping mm. uh, or it could be just a series of visual things you're playing. You know, people will pop into your head and then you rethink the role that those people play in your life. Mm. And you may find yourself extra endeared to certain people. Mm. And you, and you may, and I haven't had this experience where I saw people as extra evil. It's quite the opposite. I've seen people as like, you know, they're not nearly as bad as I thought they were. They have their own issues. And like, you know, it's not a personal thing. It's like, I took it personally. It's not personal. And I, I'd uh, like to add on that because it's your own memories. It's yeah. so deeply personal and it affects yeah. you so much because you have lived that and a random point in your life, you'd pick it up and like, holy shit, I reacted shitty that day. And now I need to fix that. So that loop sort of goes away. Okay. So, Yes. So it's not just like a, it's not like a, a high. It's it's actually a more well. It is deep, a high, well. It is a high. Well, it's more like a deep. It, it feels like a more. Deep. It is a high, but it's not like you know where maybe people doing cocaine. Yeah, that's appeals, what I mean. That's what I mean. I yeah. think it appeals to like kind of more base instincts, the deep, deeper thinkers. Well, yeah. it's it's an interesting. There's so many people now that have become pretty well versed in this new universe of psychedelic exploration that could speak way more eloquently than I can. But the one that I hear over and over is the 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 dissolution of your ego. Mm. And people go and do I haven't done ayahuasca, but people have done ayahuasca oh, will yeah. tell you that that like you you literally like you know, you go outside yourself and you like see yourself from outside yourself and like your ego is this thing that holds you like, like this, and you're just not even aware of it. And so even like all the work you do and the books you read and the therapists you see, like you can't release this ego. And yeah. so you can't get past the, the perception outside of your ego. And sometimes this like pops it and people are like, Whoa, I have no ego. Like I am not really even existing in my concept of self. I'm like just an observation thing. I'm just yeah. observing the world. Uh, I hear that a lot. And that is definitely one of the key things. And listen, it ain't for everybody. Some people, it scares the crap out of them. 
What's the safest way to do it? Yeah. That's <laughs> I'm so uneducated in this area. What is the safest way to do it? Well, we have we have these offices here now in Los Angeles, and I think they're popping up all over the country where they're doctor assisted trips. Yeah, right. Probably the best, but um I I'm I'm thinking probably some old school druggies would be like, ah, what the hell? Why don't you just keep having fun? Like we did, you know, you guys take things so seriously. You need a doctor to trip, you know? Um, but if it makes you feel safer, that's fine. Um, and again, they don't know everything about this. So they don't know, you know, there may be some people that really shouldn't do it. Yeah. There, there may be like, I heard somebody said that people who have some, you know, predisposition toward bipolar schizophrenia and things like that, that maybe they were on drugs, they shouldn't do it. Um, and, and so that, that may be true. I don't know. I've never heard of a case of anybody tripping into psychosis from mushrooms. Mm. I've never heard that. Uh, I've heard that through with acid. Um, I've heard that with cocaine and maybe even weed, but I've never heard anybody, um, overdose from mushrooms from my understanding. I've never heard anybody overdose and even overdo it into psychosis. Uh, maybe somebody will listen to this and be like, Oh, there's plenty of instances. I, I don't know of any. Um, so, have we encouraged you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm keen. Dan's yeah. looking at me and he said he's keen. I don't know what he's trying to say. By the way, it's not like something people need to do either. I think he's it's, it's, so. I've been telling him for <laughs> at least a year. He keep, yeah, he keeps annoying me about it. <laughs> uh, uh, do mushrooms, Dan, every single day. Um, well, and then there's people that, yeah, microdose and the microdosing is, I heard one of those old, the, one of the grandfathers of, of psychedelic mushrooms is it's like 80 years old. And he laughed at microdosing. He was like, eh, just do it. Trip balls. That's what you want to do. Oh, this microdosing. It's like having a tiny tattoo. What's the point? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, okay. But who knows? I mean, people swear by this. Um, all good things may have a flip side, though. I mean, yeah. I don't know what the downside is yet, but I'm assuming people who you can do it too much. Yeah. So, Joe, just before we start wrapping things up, um... we successfully didn't even talk about acting. I love that. Yeah. Do you know what? <laughs> I. It's hard for me to bring people into a very um, philosophical state because that's where I thrive as a person or maybe we thrive as as individuals as well, both of us. We love talking about that stuff. One of the reasons being is that we're young and you know we're, we're hungry to learn. I'm 25 and it's scary for oh, wow. me. Yeah. It's very scary to me to be 25 right at this moment. It's like, mm, I don't know where this is going, blah, blah, blah. But I still have an amateur mindset to to learn um but that's that's what you want my kid just graduated from college in boston he's 23 and you know i'm intensely involved in his life in in hopefully a good way um but we talk about all these things 
Mm. And, and, and I, I register his anxiety and it's pretty deep and I get it. Yeah. And I, I do my best to like, listen to his perspective and, um, where are things going? He, he doesn't have enough experience to be reassured things are going to work out. That's and I do, I, I do. And I'm like, you know, almost everything that I worried about didn't happen. And the shit that did happen, I wasn't even thinking about it because I wasn't even prepared for it. So why was I even thinking about it? Yeah. In other words, worry, I heard a great quote and I can't remember, but uh, worry is like an invoice you get without ever getting an actual delivery. Mm. It's like spending all your money, but not getting anything in return. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, there's something to be said about learning not to worry. Yeah. And that would be, and that's my advice to my son right now, which is like, you may not have evidence to have faith right now, but that's precisely what faith is. Faith mm -hmm. is not evidence-based. Evidence-based things are called beliefs. Faith is called, I don't have the evidence, but I choose to believe because I need to for my own psychology and my own health and everything else. Yeah. And, and then at the end of the day, we're just, little peons spinning on a ball in space. If we all disappear, it's universe goes on. Universe won't even register that we've all left. So I'm not sure that our drama is as important as we think it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that, that goes back to like my problem with religion. And yep. the religion always puts human beings in the center of a big cosmic drama. And I'm like, yeah, I, I hate to say this, but I, excuse me, teacher, I think we're background actors. Actually, I'm going to go a step further. I think we're like the set decks. We could be like the books in the background. Yeah, We're so not an important part of the cosmic drama. Mm -hmm. We're expendable. We're come, we go. And, you know. But just a blip. We're yeah. a blip and, and that can depress you or that can actually liberate you i yeah. think it's pretty liberating to know that we're not at the center of some big drama no um some people may not think so see i think that when someone cuts me off in the traffic i think that that none of what i say is going to matter to me but i like to think that this whole world revolves around me and i get one life and i want to make <laughs> the best out of it every day well i mean again but but the <laughs> But Why it can also be, it can be true. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do have, we have biological destiny. Yeah. We know that mm. we're, we're on this earth for a very specific purpose. Yeah. It may not be that glamorous. It's basically to convert oxygen into carbon dioxide <laughs> and propagate. That's essentially our entire role. Mm -hmm. um, now, having said that, it might go a step further that we have more complex roles. And then you get into like, well, you are meant to be here. You are meant, you guys are meant to have an audience and express mm -hmm. ideas and had disseminate them like seeds in a forest. Like you need to go out. I believe that those beliefs are really important to see a, a narrative arc in your life. You have to, but that's different than thinking you're at the center of the universe. <laughs> that, that was just the uh, <laughs> um, ego play I do with myself, and then just to say no, I need to no, do because it. I'm I'm arguing against you because I'm the center of the universe when I drive. 
that's really I'm, I'm on the other side Joseph. You, you're on the left you drive with the right here <laughs> precisely you're gonna have to yield yeah <laughs> have you guys come over to the united states and driven Maybe maybe we're getting in Yangcho. You're on the other yeah. side. <laughs> well, then you get into some cool physics. Oh, yeah. like parallel universes. Maybe you're just the counter theme to me. So yeah, yeah. mirror image. There you go. Before this podcast, we were going through your Instagram, and we happened to love your pictures of you surfing as well. Ah, what do we you love, love about surfing? Oh my god. Well, first of all, I love surfing because. I get to do it with my kids. Oh yeah. And it's one of the great activities that mm. you can do with, with kids. There's something about being in the ocean that just resets me. Like even if there's not even great waves, I get out of the water. I'm absolutely in a better frame of mind than I was when I left mm. before I got in. Can't explain it. Some people talk about so-called negative ions in the waves and all this stuff. I'm not sure I believe any of that. Um, but the other thing is the simplicity of surfing. Yeah. It, it just requires one tool, right? And then you harness whatever's given to you yeah. by nature. Uh, it's not a manipulated situation. Uh, you can't groom it like a ski slope and you can't do all these things. You have to take whatever is given to you. And then you're generating this speed and energy and you're having to improvise as mm -hmm. it improvise. It, it moves and shifts and changes. So you have to move, shift and change. So in some ways, it's like the purest kind of interaction with nature. Yeah. And my guess is people used to get this through like hunting or dancing or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it's just there and it's surfing. And if you live near the ocean, it's great. Um, and Yeah. And then I just love anything that gets me out of my, in case you didn't notice, I can get my head. Uh, yeah. So it must be like a, <laughs> so that gets a me out of my head. reset as well. Yeah. Yeah. It gets me out of my head. And, and it's oh. a kind of a cool little community that I live in and everybody knows each other. And, the, and I've surfed Australia and I've, yeah, I've it's same felt the yeah. same thing. I've, I've been to those areas and, and surfers in general are tapped into just this, cool connection with nature yeah yeah oh, and then i got my dog sir well where he went my dog surfs yeah oh, wow yeah Jeez. yeah <laughs> it's awesome newman newman come here come here baby Let's see if i can get him over here make a small appearance on the show come here baby come here come here Oh, Let's oh, go. Da, 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 da. <laughs> That's the yes. Is this his first appearance on a podcast? Anything to say? Anything to say? Uh, hey, hello. Look at that big boy. <laughs> that's that's a perfect picture that's a perfect picture we're gonna screenshot that and we're gonna tag you in that story today man awesome well, awesome. listen, I'm sorry. I, I may not have talked about the things you guys wanted to talk about. This has been my a brain went off uh, conversation. Yeah. Like, I wasn't expecting it. it was it's been good. It's been great. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. 
Joe, you're Next time we'll all do mushrooms and get together. Yeah, let's oh, do that. <laughs> Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you so we, we'd love this. to have you back as well. You, you... Yeah. Well, let's do it. Next time we'll try to talk about something else. Yes. yes. We'll, 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 keep it, we'll keep it light. You know what we'll do? We'll just send in our AI versions. Yeah. Yeah. Clones. We'll just send while, holographic. While we're in the living room doing shrooms, we'll just have our AIs do a podcast. Exactly. Um, Perfect. Thank you so much. You're awesome. All right, guys. You're amazing. Love the t-shirt. Step link. I wish you have a beautiful day. And um, I, I, I know you're very good friends with Jason Moa. I'd love to talk oh, yeah. to if I can tap. If you can. Hey, listen, I'm you. starting a podcast too, and I'd love to talk to him. And he's one of my best friends. And he, he said to me, he goes, "If I ever do a podcast, yeah, I'll do yours." But <laughs> I'm never doing a podcast. Why not? He does. You know, he's funny. He gets very stubborn about certain things. And my belief is that I think there's part of him that's a little scared that he may say something that's not the right thing to say. And then he might lose control of that. But he just doesn't want to do podcasts. Um, so it's very interesting. And if he does do somebody else's podcast before, man, I'm going to be pissed off. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> I think he's just such a cool guy, and uh, I'd love to meet him and do shrooms, or maybe grab a beer with him one day. Well, yeah, he's he's a he's great guy. A great guy. I mean, it's it's uh, you know what's cool is watching success for somebody who really deserves it. Yeah, uh, and it's just he handles his fame really well. Like he spreads a lot of joy, and I watch the effect. Like he's like the Pied Piper. I've never seen somebody collect so many individuals everywhere yes. he goes. Yes, and he just ends up with people and he has the capacity to make every one of those people feel good. Mm. And they just look at, they look up to him like, uh, you're just, we just like to be with you. Yes. Mm. It's just yeah. a good vibe. Mm. And in that regard, it's pretty remarkable because you can get really extracted of your vitality and energy when you're famous and people are after you. And he manages to kind of keep it like not that way where he's not getting pulled apart. And that's really awesome. You know, it's he rare, handles it well. It's rare that you see people do do that in, in, in that industry and in, in where he is and um, the level he's at, or it, I think that's very rare. I look up to that, that particular aspect of his uh, personality. I look up to that. Yeah, so, good yeah. guy. Um, but anyways, again, thank you so much. Uh, wish you have a beautiful day. All right, guys. Thank you so Peace. much. Thank you so much. Enjoy you your